continue looking to the book of Mark, and we've got to the part that I need to talk about today, which is in Mark chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, uh, and I'll read the scripture to you. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. I will make you fishers of men. Or as Stuart told me when he was a facetious young boy, he would sing in the, the chorus, I will make you vicious old men. Um, <laughs> children have a wonderful way of adapting scripture. Yeah. I can remember someone singing, Our Father who art in heaven, hello, what's your name? <laughs> but uh, making us fishers of men. Um, it's a wonderful story, and you have a picture in your mind of Jesus walking along next to the lake, and these guys busy, and he calls them and says, come, and they drop everything they leave. And that actually happened, and it is miraculous. But I do need to point out to you that he had had contact with these men before. It was a miracle that they were prepared to leave everything, but I'd want to read to you from John chapter 1 and verse 35 to 42, and this is preceding this meeting with them. It says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon, and Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which is when translated is Peter. So there had been previous contact. It was still a miraculous thing, but what I want to point out to you is that these people had, had a revelation of who Jesus was. And so his contact with them was something which struck a chord inside them. They, they had somehow managed to perceive this was the person that everybody had been waiting for. Um, I want us to look at what it meant to them when they met Jesus. And to do that, I want to look, us to look at, at other people that Jesus met. I have a very simple message for you this morning. I hope it's one that when I put the simple facts together will challenge you in your heart and encourage you. But... I want to look at people that Jesus met and what it meant in their lives. And so I'm going to jump around the Bible a little bit, but he encountered some people whose deepest needs were met and he left them physically healed and with their lives restored. It's one of the things that happened when Jesus met people. Sometimes when Jesus met people, there was a physical change in their lives. For example, if we read in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, when Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, and I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. This gentleman's life was amazingly changed by meeting Jesus. He met him with a need. He met him with a very prominent physical need. He was leprous. He was excluded from society. And when he met Jesus, he saw him as somebody who could change his life. There was a revelation of the power of Jesus and the power to heal in this man's life. And so he went seeking help because he understood that Jesus could help him. And when he went to him, he found that that is in the nature of God. 
It's in the nature of God to fix things that are broken. It's in the nature of God to respond with love when people call out to him. And so when he went to Jesus, Jesus was immediately prepared to respond. And he spoke to him and the man was healed. And he was instructed to go back into his community and to go through the rituals and the checking which needed to take place before a leper could be reintroduced into the society. And the man did that, and we don't hear much about him. He went back into his life with his life profoundly changed by contact with Jesus. But he went back to his family, he went back to his job, and he went back to the things that he'd done before he became a leper. Amazingly changed, he took that with him and went back into his old life. And that's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And there's so many examples in the Bible of Jesus' physical healing of people and how in many places it says he healed all of their sick. It's in his nature to do that. And when we come into contact with Jesus, it's in his nature to love and to heal and to change our physical circumstances. He does that. Sometimes he encountered people whose sins he forgave and whose whole existence was dramatically changed from that day. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 25. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on a mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. This was a different kind of service. We have some exciting services here, but we've yet to have the roof rift off when somebody come drifting down on the end of rope. But this is what happened in that service, and this man was deposited in front of Jesus. And Jesus, when he saw him and saw their face, said, Friends, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow that speaks blasphemy, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts, which is easy to do, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And immediately he stood in front of them and took what he had been lying on and went away praising God. Another man who has his life profoundly changed by an encounter with Jesus. His sins are forgiven. How awesome. God Almighty in, in, incarnate looks at you as you lie broken on the ground and says to you, I see the deepest need inside your heart and your sins are forgiven. You're righteous. That's awesome. The fact that he got healed was a bonus. Jesus met people with profound spiritual need and he met people with profound physical need and it's in his nature when people cry out and when people turn to him, it's in his nature to change their lives. And I don't know what happened to this man afterwards. We're not told. He went back into his community, changed, with an amazing testimony. But he went back to do whatever he could now do that he could walk and had the power of his limbs and, 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 and be strong. And he went back into the community to change it after being changed. But we don't know what happened to him. He encountered some people whose lives were freed from evil spirits and who heard his life-giving, challenging teaching it says he went down with them in Luke chapter 6 and verse 17 and stood on a level place and a large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and from the coastal regions around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and those troubled with impure spirits were cured 
And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming out of him and healing them all. And looking at his disciples, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you, hunger now. And he goes in to teach the incredible teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, teaching predominantly to his disciples, but with the crowd standing by and learning. People were freed from spiritual oppression. When Jesus came into a situation, demons fled. They just couldn't stand his presence. It's the nature of God to drive out that which is not of God. It's the nature of the presence of God to change the circumstances of people that he meets. You know, sometimes people talk about deliverance from evil spirits and, and, and things, and they make it into a very dramatic ceremony with lots of screaming and shouting. Jesus just told demons to go away. He just told them to go away and they left quietly because the presence of God changes the spiritual environment in which we are. And these people that he encountered, and there were many of them it seems, on this particular day were healed of their illness, demons were cast out, he healed a lot of sick people whose names we don't even know, we don't know what happened to them, we don't know what they did. They probably went back to their communities rejoicing, freed from oppression of, of, of evil spirits, freed from sickness, freed from the, the constraints of their illnesses. and having heard this profound teaching of this man. And they maybe shared it with some of the people around them. And it became like the people who'd been healed physically and been forgiven. It became a major part of their lives. It became something that they spoke about to people as they went about their normal daily work and their normal daily life. Some people's physical and material needs were met dramatically when they met Jesus. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 35 to 44, it says, By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he said, and go and see. And they found and said, Five and two fish. And Jesus directed them to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups in hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples and distributed to the people. And he also divided the two fish amongst them. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken bread and fish. And the number of men that ate that day were 5,000. Sometimes when people met Jesus, they saw a miracle on a major scale this was this was something major which would have shaken the area that they were in five thousand people going and saying we all got fed by five loaves and two fish we all got fed and there was food left over it astounded people and some people followed him for a while to see if they could get more bread and their lives would change and i have no doubt if you were there this would be something that you would tell people every time you had a social gathering if you were standing around the briar or the barbecue and people were talking, you'd say, you know, once I had this, there was this man and he was teaching and we went to listen to him and he did this miracle. It would be something that you spoke about, but it became a major part of many people's lives that they spoke about when they thought about it and when they met with people. All profound encounters that left people changed, all profound encounters that, that made a massive difference in people's lives and that became a big part of their lives. Well, here's something even more profound. He even brought back people from the dead. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 17. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. 
the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. And he went up and touched the bear that they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood. And he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared amongst us and said, God has come to his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout. Incredible. I mean, I would tell people about being fed by five loaves and two fish, but seeing someone raised from the dead, that's a different kind of funeral. I've been to some interesting funerals, but I've not seen the guest of honor stand up. I've not seen the whole purpose of that gathering of people together reversed and a turning from a time of sadness in losing someone to a time of great rejoicing in seeing this person alive and knowing that this was a miraculous thing. I would never forget about this, and I'm pretty sure that these people never forgot about this. And they would tell people. And it maybe made a great difference in how their relationship with God was. They, they might have rejoiced more every day and prayed more every day. But we don't know what happened to them. The truth is that many of these people had a wonderful and profound impact on their lives through Jesus. They went joyfully to their everyday lives. They were grateful and thought of Him with thanksgiving and joy. And I'm sure they told other people of their experience but there was a difference with these men that Jesus called next to the lake in the first chapter of Mark. You see, when Jesus called Simon and Andrew and James and John, they responded to the revelation of who he was. But the impact with Jesus that they had, the contact that they'd had with Jesus, didn't just enhance their lives. It didn't just add something to what they were doing. Their contact with Jesus that day if it's for me till I'm on, I'm busy. <laughs> the, the contact that they had with Jesus that day changed, and this is the thing that I want to leave with you, my one major point I want to leave with you, it changed the purpose of their lives. From that encounter with Jesus, when he said come, he didn't become someone who had just done something for them, something memorable, something exciting, something life-changing, something astounding, something hugely beneficial when they encountered Jesus it changed their purpose in life their purpose in life up until that point was they were fishermen and the purpose of their fishing was to provide for their families they would get up in the morning take their nets get into their boats and go out on the Sea of Galilee endeavoring to catch as many fish as they could to generate an income for their family and that was the purpose of their lives and Jesus says to them when he says I will make you fishers of men or I will have you catch men instead of fish he says I'm changing the purpose of your life and so I would ask you to consider as we go a little bit further your encounters with Jesus that you've had I'm sure they've been beneficial we had an encounter with the Lord this morning in our time of worship and it was uplifting and it was encouraging and Sean brought a word and this is what church is all about it's about telling our Lord that we love him and it's about being touched by his presence and being encouraged by him. That's absolutely brilliant. We all, if we've had an encounter with Jesus, will have got something of benefit from it. You might have been physically healed. You might have been emotionally or spiritually encouraged. You might have had your material needs, needs met. And if we, if we started asking for testimony now, I'm sure people would stand up and tell us about amazing things that God has done in their lives. I have amazing testimonies of what God has done in my life. 
I have two wonderful children who we were told by the medical profession should never exist. We were told we could never have children, that Sandra and I were going to have to make other plans because medically speaking, children were an impossibility to the extent that when my daughter was conceived and we found out the infertility clinic we'd been dealing with and I told them that my wife is pregnant, they said to me that I was delusional. They said, Mr. Case, we really know how much you want children, but you can't have children. Your wife can't be pregnant. I said, but we've got a scan. There's something there. They said, it's a bloated ovum. Well, my eldest bloated ovum is currently in Wales. <laughs> and my second eldest bloated ovum got married in August. And we're anticipating some more bloated ovums, hopefully, <laughs> if they can just get themselves in gear. I, I, I've got that testimony. I've got that testimony in my life, and it's a profound testimony. God has done stuff for me, and God has done stuff for you. But has God changed the purpose of your life? Has your contact with Him registered with you in a way that you said, okay, now I've met Jesus. What does that mean for the rest of my life? What does that mean in the way that I conduct myself? Because these guys made a profound decision, and it changed their lives in many, many ways. And I'd like just to look briefly at some of the ways in which it changed their lives. It meant that they spent all of their time in His presence. Think about that. You know, I, I, I teach young people. I don't do a lot of teaching anymore, but I do some teaching in religious studies. And I talk to them about the relationship that we have with God. And I say to them, your mom and dad love each other. What would you think if their relationship looked like this? Every morning when they wake up, your dad turns to your mum and says, Oh, wife who is lying in the bed next to me, who I love dearly, may your day be good. May your path be straight. Amen. And then ignored her for the rest of the day. When he came home, accepted all the, the blessings of his home. And then when he got into bed that night, he turned to her for two minutes and said, Oh, wife who lieth next to me, thank you for this day. May you sleep soundly. Amen. And that was the run of the day, except on Sunday morning, where he would sing to her for 20 minutes <laughs> and give her some money. <laughs> and they all agreed that that would be quite a strange kind of relationship to have with a person that you love dearly. But how many people have an encounter with Jesus that changes their life profoundly, and they really do love him, and they really do consider what he's done in their lives fantastic, but they don't really spend much time with him. Just a quick prayer in the morning, a quick prayer when something goes wrong, quick thank you in the evening, and then on Sunday, a time to spend more time with him. These guys spent all their time with Jesus. They walked with him, they talked with him, they ate their meals, they slept together next fires and Next, uh, next to campfires out in, 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 in the wilderness. They, they were with him when he taught. They were with him when he performed miracles. And they were with him when he just sat. They were with him when he fell asleep in a boat. And as they did that, as they spent that much time with him, it's inevitable that his personality would begin to rub off on them. Not just his formal teaching, but his nature and his character. There were examples of how he changed the way that they that they thought in Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 to 15, it says people brought little children to him at the end of a tiring day. And the disciples said, no, he's busy, stop. And Jesus said, no, don't stop them, bring them to me. And they must have gone, oh, Jesus cares about little children. Jesus cares about the simple. And one would 
imagine that at some point that changed the way that they behave towards children because being in his presence would change the way you think. You know, you become more like the people that you spend time with. People talk about our pets looking like their masters and having their ears singing, you know, dogs look like... Sometimes it happens. I don't think that it's the dogs that's changed. It's we sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes we become a little bit shaggy and, 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 and look a little bit beaten up just like they do. But where you spend time, you begin to take on the character and the nature. And these guys spent, they spent intense, profound moments with Jesus and they spent quiet, insignificant moments of personal contact. I'd really like to encourage us all to be aware of the fact that Jesus made a statement one day to his disciples. He said, you need to go into the ends of the earth and go and make disciples. And I'll talk about that in a minute or two. And he said, I'm never going to leave you. I will be with you always. We've come together this morning to worship together and to fellowship with our Lord and to meet with him in a particular way here. But we brought him in with us. He doesn't live here. And we come to visit him. Like, we visit Santa's grotto and climb up on his knee and say, dear Lord Jesus, this is what I need today. Or this is what I want to He's been with us. He was with me when I was grinding my teeth after I'd jumped on the brakes and sent the onions all over the back of my car. And I can't tell you how I felt at that moment because I'm not proud of it, but my blood pressure was quite high. Both for my own reactions and for the guy who turned in front of me. But Jesus was there. Was I aware of him? Maybe not all the time. Maybe enough not to converse with the person who turned in front of me in, a, in an unfriendly way. Maybe he was there enough to stop that. But he's been with you this morning when you were doing the ordinary things like brushing your teeth. And he's been with you while you've been having your breakfast. And he's been with you when you've been having conversations with your spouse or your children in the car on the way here. He wasn't waiting for you here. He's been with you. And he wants us to acknowledge him, I really believe, in the same way that these men did when their life was profoundly changed, by spending the time with him when it seems like it's important and spending the time with him when we just, you know, you don't always have something, you don't always have to have something special to say to Jesus. It's quite sad, but have you, uh, I need to be careful what I say, but sometimes you have parents with children who get trotted out only to speak of their achievements. Come and tell Granny how well you did in your maths test. Come and tell granddad how well you did in your football match. And they begin to feel that they can only talk to granny and granddad when they've done something special. You don't only have to have special things to say to Jesus. You, you can just talk to him about where you're at. I don't save up my conversation with Sandra until I have something profound to say. We just talk about nonsense sometimes. And we laugh and joke sometimes. And I tease her sometimes. And she teases me sometimes. Better than I tease her. She's a better teaser than I am. But we have conversation that is not profound. It's just incidental and it's responding to what's happening around us. And sometimes we had a meal together yesterday. We found a restaurant in town that I hadn't been to. And we went and I had a really nice Thai green curry with little pork meatballs before. And we really enjoyed it. And we chatted about how much we were enjoying the meal. It was not Nobel Peace Prize winning conversation. I had no theory about... The, the, the menu. I was just saying, I'm really enjoying this. We could, should come to this place again. 
do you sometimes just say to God, I'm really enjoying this, we should come here again? I'll tell you a secret, I, I ride a motorcycle not as much as I used to, but I, I like riding a motorcycle. I've got a, an old Honda that I, I putter around on. And I like riding in the country lanes, and I sometimes, especially this time of year, you ride into an area that's incredibly beautiful, and I find myself singing songs of praise inside my helmet. And just saying to God, Lord, you did good. Look at that. Father, you did good. This is beautiful. Look what you've done. Look what you've painted for us. Have you ever looked at, 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 a, at a sunset in all its glory and just realized that that's just something that God does? He just makes it look like that because he can. If you think of the physics that makes the sun go red when it goes down to the horizon and about the refraction of light as it comes through the various sized particles and that as the, the sun goes down, we're seeing it through a thicker layer of the atmosphere and therefore the bigger particles are being uh, scattered whereas when it comes through from the top, it's blue when it's down there. He's not bothered by us knowing that. He's just done something pretty for us. And he doesn't need us to come and say, Heavenly Father, I have understood the refraction of light through the atmosphere. Sometimes it's just saying, Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful thing. Thank you that I'm here. Thank you that you're here. They spent all his, their time in his presence. He revealed his glory to them. You know, in Luke chapter 9, verses 29 to 33, as he was praying, this is up on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. And two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. And they spoke about his departure, which was about to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. And Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they came fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And they were excited and they began to speak. Jesus revealed his true nature to people who spent time with him. It's interesting, it took Peter, James, and John up the mountain. They seemed to be the people who spent the most time pressing into his presence. But the more you spend time with Jesus, the more he will reveal his glory to you. And the more he reveals his glory to you, the more you will grow in your faith when you see and realize what an outstanding and amazing God we serve. He revealed himself to them. He sustained them. We don't know from Scripture how they lived. But they had enough. They didn't have a lot sometimes, but they had enough. When they were with him, he protected them and he sustained them. He also challenged them. We read about him sending his disciples out for training. He'd read them sending him out with nothing to support themselves except their faith in him. But the point I'm trying to make is as time went by, their lives changed because they spent time with Jesus, because the purpose of their lives had changed. And when he eventually comes to them and says, right, this is going to happen in my life, they don't always get it. They're not perfect people. They make mistakes. But when the time comes that Jesus ascends back into heaven and he leaves them with a job to do, they are the people that take the lead in going forward in the church that forms. And you and I are standing here because they did their job well. Now, I think before we finish in a few minutes time I'm going to ask the band if they're available just to come up and, and lead us again because there was a song that we sang that said fill us up with your love for those around us in the time they spent with Jesus they were prepared not just to have an understanding of what he could do they understood why he did it because spending time with him the love of God turned them into fishers of men it turned them into people who saw their purpose. I want to say this to you. Those people that were healed of leprosy, that man that was raised from the dead, those people that were there when the miracle of the 5,000 took place, Jesus loved them dearly. 
Jesus loved them dearly. And when they went back to their homes and carried on with their everyday life, he loved them dearly. He didn't condemn them. But when he told his disciples to go out, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. He needs people whose purpose in life will be changed when they encounter him. He loves us as his children. He's not sitting there saying, you haven't done enough evangelizing. I don't love you anymore. It's not the nature and character of God. But he's looking for people who will put down their own preferences and their own purpose and do whatever it is that will bring us others into the, will bring others into the kingdom. He's looking for disciples. And disciples have a change in the purpose of their lives. They might be bus drivers, but they're bus drivers whose purpose in their life is to serve Jesus in whatever thing he calls them to do while they're driving their bus. They may be surgeons, but they're surgeons whose purpose in their life is not just to, 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 to heal people physically and make a good living from it, but their purpose is to serve God in all that they do in whatever way he calls. They may be teachers or nurses or doctors or whatever they might be, but the purpose of their life has changed. Sitting in the middle of their life is no longer their plans and purpose Sitting in the middle of their life is something that says, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do next, if you show me, I will do it. And that's what happened to these guys. They didn't become instantly perfect. They didn't become instantly effective. They went through a growing process. But they were changed by leaving their life and taking on the life that Jesus prepared for them. I don't know what that will mean in your life. I have an idea of what it's meant in my life going forward. And... Going on from here now, there'll be changes in my life that God brings about. I know that very well. Don't know what they're going to be. But if Jesus came to you now and said, not, I will make you fishers of men or vicious old men, but if he came to you and said, are you prepared to change the purpose of your life? Are you up for it? And that's the challenge I want to give to you. He's not going to love you any less or more, but you might be the vehicle that changes other people's lives. You might become part of that team that he began building next to this lake when he called his first disciples. You might become part of that team that has existed through 2,000 years that says, I need to do what he wants in preference to what I want. That's my challenge for you. You get to spend time with him. You get to see his glory. You get to be sustained by him and taught by him and challenged by him. And you get to become part of what he does. Let's just pray and then I'm going to ask the band to lead us. And I want to encourage you while the band's leading, if you just want to spend a moment just where you are, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but just where you are, if you want to spend a moment or two just speaking to God and you feel like releasing more of your life to Him and releasing your purpose in life to Him. I can say this, it's a bit scary to say to someone else, you've got the keys to my life. It's a bit scary to say to someone else, I'm leaving my nets and my fishing boat. But there aren't a safer pair of hands in the universe that you could place your life into. You can trust him. They did. And look what happened. His purpose was fulfilled. So I want to encourage you and I want to ask you to ask him for the strength to help him to change the purpose of your life to the purpose that he has for you.